0: You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Hootah Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Straight Up Saints. If you haven't already, please do that now. The Saints are heading into a pretty important game in terms of in terms of NFC playoff seeding, um, a statement game perhaps, and that's against the Chicago Bears, who although they haven't looked pretty, then they haven't looked great. They're five and two, and they're a winning football team, uh, and they are currently in the playoff picture. Um, Now I want to get into the three keys to that game later in the episode. I'm going to talk about why this needs to be a get right game for the defense. And if it's not, we're going to have a legitimate issue for the Saints team moving forward. So I'm going to talk about all those points in a little bit. And I'm also going to talk about what conditions will affect this game in terms of weather and what to expect in that aspect. But first off, I want to talk about the injury report for the Saints. And for the first time in what seems like years, I can finally say this is an encouraging injury report for the Saints. So here's the the headline one here. Michael Thomas returns to practice, albeit on a limited basis. He's back after missing Wednesday's practice. He was a limited participant with on Thursday's practice, still designated with an ankle-slash-hamstring injury. But the fact that he was there at practice is a great sign. So clearly, his, at least the hamstring injury is healing what the saints, you know, on track with what the saints expected. Remember it was a grade one hamstring strain. They said that it was anywhere from one to two weeks. He's already been out for a week. So he's either on track to miss this game and return against Tampa Bay or somehow play on Sunday against the bears. But either way, he's trending in the right direction and he's not the only receiver trending in the right direction. Marquez Calloway, Um, who was great. And we all thought Marquez was fantastic last week against the Panthers. He missed Wednesday's practice with an ankle injury, comes back on Thursday's practice, a limited participant. So if they could get one or even both of those guys back for that Bears game, that would be huge. Um, Teron Armstead, a limited participant, which means he's got a really good shot at suiting up uh, on Sunday. And we saw what the offensive line looks like without Armstead and with Hurst at left tackle. And although Hurst isn't a bad backup, Let's be real, against a speed rusher like Burns, he was getting, well, for lack of a better word, burnt. And having Armstead in there against a Bears defensive line that's very talented would be a huge plus. The downside for the Saints, Nick Easton went from limited to did not participate, and he's got a concussion. And this is a scary instance, uh, instance where someone who's already missed a week is still dealing with, with concussion like symptoms. And this is why with this injury in particular, you hate when people treat it like a, you know, a one week absence or just a regular injury. It's not a regular injury. It's different for every player, you know, for let's say Ryan Ramchick's case, he got a concussion. He came back for that chargers game Monday night football for Easton's case. He's, Probably going to miss a second game now, depending on what his, uh, you know, his status during when uh, Friday's practice, excuse me, is. But obviously, that's a tricky situation. If he has to miss it, the Saints will find a way to roll without him. Now, before I talk about Michael Thomas and what his return might be and, and whether or not I actually think he's going to play in this game, I want to talk about the Bears injury report as well and go into enemy territory with this one. This is a loaded, and I mean loaded, injury report. For the Chicago Bears and as if you know things weren't already going south with the way they played on Monday night against the Rams and having a short week they got some injuries here and the main one is Allen Robinson still in concussion protocol he has not practiced at all this week he missed Wednesday's practice and he missed Thursday's practice he's not the only big name though for the Chicago Bears who's been missing practice Khalil Mack that's right Khalil Mack one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League out during Wednesday and Thursday with an ankle injury Look, I think you'd have to see Friday's status before you start celebrating and popping off streamers that Khalil Mack's going to miss the game because he is a tough SOB, and I think Khalil Mack's one of those guys, even if he doesn't practice, he still might be listed as questionable. Like He would not need to be seriously hurt to miss a game of this magnitude. Um, Another guy worth paying attention to, and from what I've gathered around the Bears' circles over there, it seems like he's not going to play Cody Whitehair. He's missed the last two practices with a calf injury. He's the starting center. The Bears and the Bears O line has been atrocious to begin with over the last couple of weeks. So, for them not to have white hair, that would be a big absence. You also have Cordero Patterson, who's missed the last couple of practices. You have Cole Komet, the talented rookie from Notre Dame, that has been a limited participant. Um, and then you even have Eddie Jackson, the All-Pro safety, unlimited participant. I would expect him to go, but he did tweak his knee against the Rams on Monday night. So again, a short rest, uh, a team on short rest, which is also shorthanded, uh, not a great formula for the Chicago Bears. But for the Saints, going back to their injury report, Michael Thomas, what it would mean if he plays? I think the most important thing, and it has nothing to do with football at all, Michael Thomas playing from a psychological standpoint and a mental standpoint would be good for this Saints team. They've had to deal with a lot of crap over the last couple of weeks, both true and false, mostly false, coming from the man, Mike Florio. And it's got to be frustrating. As a team who's 4-2, you're in the race for a playoff spot. You're ascending, obviously. You're winning three straight. To hear that your all-pro wideout is mentioned in trade rumors, which aren't even true judging off Sean Payton's tweets, it has to be incredibly irritating and and even more frustrating because you know what Michael Thomas does and who he is when he's on the field. And we saw last season he is a record-breaking type wide receiver who can just dominate a game without a Robin to his Batman. And now he has a couple of Robins on his side if Sanders comes back and Callaway comes back. And Traequan continues to ball out, so we'll see what happens. If he does return to the lineup, it'll be interesting to see how Mike looks in his first game back since week one. Although I'm a little hesitant as to whether or not he'll play. My understanding, and this is just my opinion here, has always been a week nine, week ten timeline after you know tweaking his hamstring. And week nine against the Buccaneers Sunday Night Football, that for me would be the spot where I would guess that Michael Thomas returns. But again, look, if he, if he practices tomorrow again, no setbacks, look, there's going to be a shot that he plays. You know he's itching to play. And this is where all the frustration stems from. from It's an ultra-competitive player wanting to compete. It's not a shock. According to guys like Mike Florio, apparently it is. But thats that's been the frustrating thing. So forget about the fact that he is an elite receiver and that he will make life you know hell for the Chicago Bears and for any defense that goes up again. You know, more importantly, it's having Mike on the field, and he knows damn well he's loved, he's needed by this team. I think that would be a big plus both mentally and mentally and psychologically for this whole club. Um, And it would help them as they continue uh, to stock up wins and and try and make a push for the NFC South. Now, the next thing I really want to talk about before I get into the meat and potatoes of this game is Drew Brees. And why would I bring up Drew Brees when nothing's really happened this week? The reason I'll bring up Drew Brees is because there's a lot of new information that's coming out. Good, And and I mean good, in terms of what he's done over the last couple of weeks. So, Weeks one through three, they were a struggle for Drew, and we all saw it, and the initial talks were, should he get benched, should he have retired, all that nonsense, because apparently in today's society, we can't give an aging quarterback without his best receiver and without a full offseason some time to get back into rhythm, when, by the way, he's probably the best rhythm passer we've seen in the league, and if he's not in rhythm, then what exactly is he? And Drew is not one of those guys who can just change his schedule on the fly. He's a very organized, you know, oriented person. And to completely have the offseason change and and not have a full OTA, not have a full training camp, not have preseason games, it affects how you play. So weeks one through three, pro football focus graded him the 29th best quarterback in the league. That's pretty damn bad. There's only three other guys that were ranked below him. Weeks four through seven, weeks four through seven, He's been graded the best quarterback in the National Football League by Pro Football Focus. So you see the difference when he gets into rhythm, when everything starts to click, when his schedule is all organized and all planned out for him. You see what happens with Drew. He can still play. He can still sling the football. Another thing I really wanted to talk about real quick in terms of whether or not he can still compete. This was, for me, fascinating. Quarterbacks across the league this year are completing passes at the highest rate through the first seven weeks in NFL history, 65.8% completion percentage. Drew Brees, right now, 72.6% of his passes are being complete. So again, you could have concerns about his arm strength, if he could still, you know, sling it deep, if his arm's going to be there in January. But what I know right now, it's he's still an extremely efficient quarterback. And in my opinion, pound for pound, the most efficient quarterback in the NFL because he gets the ball to his receivers. And that's what you ask your quarterback to do. And Drew does it better than most, if not all of them. So obviously that's some encouraging signs about Drew Brees' play. Obviously I'm a little worried about how he'll look in week eight. You're playing in Chicago. The kickoff, it's a kickoff. It's going to be 38 degrees. So this is a game, and I tweeted it, this is a game where Latavius Murray needs to get the ball early and he needs to get the ball often. I think he will in this one. So let's talk about what's going to be important for this game, both offense and defense. But I want to start on the defensive side of the football for this Saints-Bears game. This has not been a good year for the Saints defense. I think I'm being very polite in saying it hasn't been a good year for the Saints defense. They've been giving up points at an alarming clip, and they've been giving up points in a hurry in terms of their defense is not on the field very long, but they're giving up a lot of points. And what I mean is the Saints dominate, and I mean dominate the time possession against the Panthers. The Panthers quickly put up 24. And I tweeted this a couple of days ago, and I I still believe this firmly. It's not how you give, it's not how many points you give up, it's how you give up the points. And the way the Saints give up the points is beyond frustrating. It's a blown coverage. It's a silly penalty that gets you into enemy territory. It's all the little things that somehow add up and turn into the big things. And when you have that, it makes it incredibly hard to figure out what you're going to be as a team. Because yes, the Saints are 4-2, and, and yes, the Saints are in position to possibly win the division, but the Saints have no clue what they are right now defensively. What are they good at? They're good at stopping the run, but they're so bad at stopping the pass that teams aren't even going to bother to run because they know they're not going to be able to run on the Saints anyway. Why don't you you know, exploit their weakness, which is pass defense? So I think that's obviously something that the Saints are going to have to address. Lucky for them... If there is a cure to your defensive issues, it's usually playing against the Chicago Bears. And that's why for me, this is, and I'll say it a million times, this is a get-right game for the defense. This means if they don't get right here, if they don't have a good performance against the Chicago Bears, it's not happening this season, folks. I'm, I'm going to be very clear about that. If the Saints' defense does not play well against Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears, I don't know at what point this year are you going to look at the schedule and say, all right, I trust the defense then. Because if they can't stop Nick Foles... They sure ain't held stopping Tom Brady next week. They're not stopping the 49ers the week after. They're not stopping the Atlanta Falcons offense. They're not stopping Carson Wentz. They're not stopping Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you can't stop Nick Foles' offense, who are you going to stop? And that's why this game defensively is extremely important. And if you go into the numbers, there's not a lot that the Bears do well offensively. In terms of yardage in the past, they're 25th right now. In terms of yardage rushing... They're 20, I believe the 29th. I mean, this is not a good offense at all. This is a bad rushing offense. This is a bad passing offense. The offensive line is is just not good. They're flat out not good. And they don't have that many playmakers. Their best playmaker is probably not going to play in Allen Robinson. So he's gone, let's say, for this game. At, At least it looks that way as of this Thursday night. Tariq Cohen's been out for the year because of a torn ACL. So there's another playmaker who gave the Saints some fits last year for the exception of, you know, Eli Apple and Garner Johnson clowning about his height. But he's he's a good playmaker in the receiving game. So you take away Cohen. Allen Robinson's probably not playing. So you're going up against Jimmy Graham or whatever is left of him. You're going up against Anthony Miller. You're going up against Cole Komet. You're going up against uh, Mooney, the talented rookie who has been pretty good. I will give him that. Darnell Mooney has been a solid playmaker for the Chicago Bears. But other than that, they're not really explosive offensively. They don't use Ted Gaines. Ted Gaines, he's not even really good anymore, um, if I'm gonna be honest with you guys. So, what part of this offense for the Bears scares you? And I know, you know, your instant reaction is, well, what part of the Saints defense has given you confidence? What I saw on Monday, between the Rams and the Bears, it gave me enough to say, this Saints defense better be good on Sunday. And if it's not good, we have a serious issue that we're gonna address on Monday. But I think this is the game where the defense steps up. The Bears can't run the ball, and the Saints already stopped the run well. So one dimension is already taken out before this game even starts. And I know people like to say you don't know until you know. David Montgomery has struggled against bad running def- rushing defenses. So why would he do well against one of the best rushing defenses? The Saints right now are ranked four in the league in that department. I don't see it happening. And now... You're having protection issues with Nick Foles. Your starting center is not going to play. The Saints defensive line is actually getting better now that Marcus Davenport's in. No-brainer there. They should be able to get pressure on Nick Foles in certain situations. And what remind what you know, I have to bring this all back and, and tie it together in terms of why this Bears offense is struggling. I remember watching, I believe it was Kyle Brandt from NFL Network earlier this week, and he brought it up. And I agree with him. It's a legitimate thing. When you watch the Bears offense, they struggle to get short yard to, you know just get a couple of short yards here and there for them to get 4 yards it seems like a, a huge accomplishment because this offense right now is just so limited everything is a is a war and a battle in itself every single play for that team and the saints again I've said it a million times it's not a they don't have talent issue it's they're making stupid mistakes issue so the talents there And I think against this Bears offense, which, like I said, is not good in the pass, is not good in the run, is struggling to protect their quarterback who isn't even mobile. And if you look at the Saints history, they have a good, I would say Dennis Allen has pretty good history against Nick Foles. He's not good against a lot of quarterbacks, but Nick Foles happens to be one of the ones he is good against. So this works out for the Saints' favor in a cold game where they should play well defensively. They're healthy on defense. Janoris is back. Lattimore's good. Davenport is back. There's no excuse now for this defense. You have to play well here. And what they need to do is set the tone from the beginning. And I'll talk about that later on in my three keys. But set the tone in the beginning. A lot of the issues for the Saints over the last couple weeks has been the the defense starts off slow, and in the second half they look great. But you cannot constantly rely on a second half surge. That's not the way this league works. Because eventually it's going to bite you in the ass. It worked against the Panthers. It worked against the Chargers. I don't think it's going to work against a Bears team that knows how to win ugly. So you need to start fast and finish strong, obviously. Um, And I know it's a cliche, but it really is the truth when it comes to this Bears team. As for the offensive side of the football Look, this is going to be a game where the Saints are going to have to play hard-nosed football. And they did this last year without Alvin Kamara, without Drew Brees, without Jared Cook. They went into Soldier Field, and they beat the Bears in a cold game where they relied on Latavius Murray. They relied on Michael Thomas, and they got the job done. And Teddy Bridgewater looked great. And Sean Payton pulled out all the stops. We're talking about a fullback flip to Taysom Hill. We're talking about Teddy throwing a pa- a screen pass to Taysom Hill, who ran it in for a touchdown. He pulled out a lot of interesting plays to really manhandle what is and what was and still is a talented Bears defense. So offensively for the Saints, I think you have to stick to what you've been doing. Continue to run the football, which they've been doing, and I really liked what I saw against the Panthers. Uh, the Saints gave the ball 14 times to Kamara and uh, 11 times to Murray. That Those are good numbers. Those are good numbers for me. I know people don't want to hear it, but if the Saints run the ball 25 times and throw it 35 times... I like that. I'm cool with that With that, uh, With that. that split, in my opinion. So can the Saints continue to do that? Maybe run the football a little bit more because it's going to be 38 degrees. You're going to have a 41-year-old quarterback in the cold in Chicago. You're not exactly airing this football out anyway. So I think this is a game where you rely on the run. I think this is a game also where you use guys like Taysom Hill. I mean it. And I said this last week. I'll say it again. I like Taysom Hill as a receiver. I'm over the quarterback experiment. I don't think it's working, but I think the Saints still have ways they can use Taysom Hill. We saw it last year against Chicago. I wonder if we see it again in a couple of packages where these plays uh, are clearly designed for him to get out in space, and I think the Saints can do that this week. Another thing for their offense that I want to see is continue to bleed out the clock. This, This Bears offense that I talked about, and they have struggled, and I mean struggled, if you bleed out the clock and still put up points on the board... It feels like the walls are closing in on this Bears offense. It could be 13-0, and it feels like it's closing in because they are not built to come back from a big lead. You know what the Bears are built for is to win football games 13-10. to That's what they're built for. So if you get out to an early lead, the walls start closing in on this Bears team. And with a lot of things going on behind the scenes with Nagy, with Nick Foles, you got to jump out to an early lead. And that would really put a lot of pressure on them. And you'll see if they'll crumble or not early in that game so that's important for the saints to jump out there so let's get into the three keys to this game and what mike decided and for me i just alluded to it a couple of minutes ago run the damn football the saints have been doing it well the last couple of weeks i think that's going to continue and we all like to talk about how the bears are bad offensively and how they're great defensively if there's one thing they're not good at defensively it's stopping the run they're giving up over four yards per carry in the run game. And like I mentioned, the Saints want to run the football. They want to control the clock. Give them a heavy dose of Kamara. Give them a heavy dose of Murray. Sprinkle in a little bit of a Taysom Hill uh, package where he's running the football. Bleed out the clock and get this defense for Chuck Pagano tired. And that's a really good formula. So that's number one for me. Run the football in a cold weather game And don't ask your quarterback to do everything. Ask Drew Brees to do what he's been doing for the last couple weeks, and I think he will thrive in that role. So run the football. That's one for me. Number two, get pressure on Nick Foles. I cannot stress this enough. He is not a mobile quarterback. He is not. And I know this sounds crazy. I think right now the Bears would be better off with Trubisky. And the reason I say that is the Bears' offensive line has been so bad that Nick Foles is getting rushed and the play's over because he's not going to escape a pass rusher and run to the side and then throw a bomb across his body like other quarterbacks. He's not going to do it. And now do I think Trubisky's going to probably do that? Maybe not, but Trubisky is extremely mobile, very athletic, and he can at least escape when the pocket's collapsing, Nick Foles can't do that right now. So get pressure on Nick Foles. I saw the Rams do it. I know the Rams have a better defensive line with Aaron Donald, but I saw the Rams get pressure on Nick Foles on a consistent basis. I would like to see the Saints defense at least, and I'm being serious, at least get three sacks on Nick Foles. I think that's a fair margin. I mean, the Rams, I believe, finished with five. I'd like to see the Saints at least get close to three sacks on that game. And number three, and this one for me will always be the most important one, put the Bears away early. The Bears, when they're losing games this year, they're starting off slow and the teams are just putting them away. And we saw that this year with the Colts and we saw that this year with the Rams. So the Colts, they put up, they jumped out to a pretty impressive lead, 16-3. to um, And I know that's not a lead where you guys are saying, wow, that's impressive. 16-3, to the walls are closing in on that Bears team. That really is... When the Bears start to feel, you know, I would say in terms of offensively, this is when they're at their lowest point. When they're down anywhere from 10 to 13, the game's basically over. It really is. And for a team like the Colts, which is off, you know, limited offensively as well, for them to jump out to a 13 0 lead, that was ball game. That was ball game. And now on the flip side, I watched the Buccaneers jump out to a 13 0 lead. And all of a sudden, at a couple of quick three and outs, weren't playing well. And before you know it, the Bears went into the half, into halftime with a 14-13 to 13 lead, ended up winning the game because they didn't put them away. So I've seen both sides of the coin. I've seen where the Colts put away the Bears early, and they just can't figure it out, and the game's over before it even starts. And then I've seen where a team lets them hang around way too long and then they strike. So I've seen both. I saw on Monday night with the Rams with the way they were able to put the Bears away in that third quarter. They were up 10-3 at halftime that third quarter. They put up 14 and answered, that's ball game. That's ball game with this Bears offense. They are not built to come back from a double-digit lead. So if you're the Saints, if you can jump out to a 13-0, a 14-0, 17-0, 17-3 lead, anywhere in that department. I know it sounds like I'm asking for a lot, but I'm telling you with the way this Bears team has played, it's not that's how you end it. This is a Bears team. For the last couple of weeks, I've said they're a fraudulent team. They're 5-2, but they are fraudulent. And they can very well lose this game to the Saints, and all of a sudden, they could just start snowballing, and they could really drop in the standings um, faster than you can imagine. But it all starts with Sunday. I mean, we saw this Bears team. At their best, they barely beat a team. At their best, they barely beat a team. And at their worst, they're one of the most painful, if not the most painful offenses to watch In the NFL. So that's why for me, and I'm going to say it, and I'll probably tweet it tomorrow, and I'll tweet it on Saturday, and I'll tweet it on Sunday, a get-right game for the defense. Because if you can't be good against the Bears, you can't be good against anyone defensively. It is that simple. And I'm not asking for this defense to hold the Bears to three points or hold the Bears to 10 points. Hold them under 20 points. If you can't hold the Bears under 20 points, I really don't know if this defense is going to get fixed, I would go out and, and I would go as far to say if they can't hold the bears under 20 points, this defense is not going to be right at any point this season, because this is an offense where you should have a great game and feel pretty confident going into week nine of the season, but I'm not so sure the defense can do it. They should, but I'm not so sure. So that that's the really big key for this game. And I know you guys have agreed. We talked about it on Twitter. I'm one of those people who understands the way the Saints defense plays, they start off horrible, they finish strong, but they can't do this anymore, especially against a Bears team that's just not good offensively. You can't do that. You cannot let a bad team just hang around and feel like, hey... We can win this. I know the record says the Bears are good, but they're not. Okay. It's a five and two football team that really has had the ball bounce their way, and they might be a two-and-five football team if the ball doesn't bounce their way. So I think that's important to note. But I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about this Saints Bears game, your thoughts, your early prediction, your preview. What do you guys think for this one? Just let me know in the replies on Twitter uh, and I'll get back to you. But it should be a really exciting game. Last year's Saints Bears was fun in large part because the Saints kick their ass. But obviously, we like when the Saints play that hard-nosed, physical-style football where they run the ball, they play good defense. I'd like to see that return this Sunday. I'm not so sure if it will. Obviously, if it doesn't, I will be pretty animated on Monday for the recap podcast. Uh, but hopefully, the Saints can go out and beat Chicago on the road. And if they can do that, they'd move to 5-2. and two. And then, it would make Week 9 versus the Bucks A winner is in the driver's seat for the NFC South, which would be You know, very, very entertaining, especially with Antonio Brown expected to make his debut for the Buccaneers. But before you cross that bridge, you got to get past this one, and that one's in the Windy City. So we'll see if the Saints can take down the Bears on Sunday, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Again, if you haven't yet, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and feedback's always welcome if you guys want to send it my way, but that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. I'll speak to you guys very soon. Hopefully, it's a Victory Monday podcast coming out in the near future.